millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Bella Perez Rubio, Puma Podcast, and you're listening to Teka Teka News. Balitang thinking, hindi breaking. In this episode... Everywhere you go in Sharm el-Sheikh right now, in terms of the negotiations hall, everyone's talking about us and damage. It's the most important thing right now that's at the top of the agenda. And so I think that you cannot escape it even if you wanted to because it's the one thing that will make this a successful or unsuccessful conference of the parties. With just a few days left before the end of its annual climate summit, the United Nations published a draft text seeking to resolve the controversial issue of climate compensation or loss and damage by 2024. Sometimes it's also referred to as climate justice or the idea that someone should pay for global warming. The 27th Conference of Parties, or the COP27, held in Egypt this year, is the first UN summit to formally include the issue on the agenda after nearly a decade of resistance from rich nations. I particularly welcome the agreement of the parties to include a new agenda item on funding arrangements to respond to loss and damage. That's Egypt's foreign minister and COP27 president, Sameh Shukri, speaking at the summit's opening plenary earlier this month. Inclusion of this agenda reflects a sense of solidarity and empathy with the suffering of the victims of climate-induced disasters. And to this end, we all owe a debt of gratitude to activists and civil society organizations who have persistently demanded a space to discuss funding for loss and damage and thus provided the impetus needed to bring this matter forward. It's not just activists and organizations who fought to bring climate justice to the negotiating table. For years, the countries most adversely affected by climate change have called on developed nations that built their wealth on industrialization to take responsibility. We are already experiencing death and destruction because of climate change. I mean, all countries are experiencing that, but developing countries in particular, the Philippines, is one. That's attorney Tony Lavinia a climate justice advocate who was part of the Manila Observatory's delegation to COP27. In previous years, he served as a lead negotiator for the Philippines. The Philippines is one of the most climate-challenged countries, and we're experiencing, you know, three to four times a year, loss and damage from climate events like typhoons. The true extent of the damage is hard to grasp. The finance department says the Philippines lost around 506 billion pesos to climate hazards from 2010 to 2020. 
So we need it to be addressed so that we will have resources to be able to address the loss and damage. And that really can only come from developed countries of more resources to deal with it than us. Of course, developed nations don't quite see it that way. That's why it's taken so long for negotiations on loss and damage to even begin. Developing countries are demanding it. Developed countries are asking questions. Why do you need it when you have other assistance already, other climate finance already? But it's really just delaying tactics on their part, to be honest. So for me, what's most important in the climate loss and damage discussions is admission that, in fact, there's a responsibility for each other when loss and damage of the climate hits us. But rich, industrialized countries are deflecting. French President Emmanuel Macron recently said that Europe is already doing its part to help developing countries. He called on other rich, non-European countries to do their part too. It's true, but not true. The true part is other countries must do their part. The not true part is the Europeans are doing enough. Not anyone is doing enough, actually. The world's wealthiest countries, the U.S. and China, also happen to be the two largest greenhouse gas emitters. It was only this week that Beijing and Washington agreed to resume climate talks, which froze for months due to rising tensions over Taiwan. We'll pause here, but when we return, more on what Philippine delegates are hoping to achieve at this year's climate summit. For an island nation like ours, the goal for COP27 is clear. President Marcos set the tone when he addressed the UN General Assembly earlier this year. The effects of climate change are uneven and reflect an historical injustice. Those who are least responsible suffer the most. The Philippines, for example, is a net carbon sink. We absorb more carbon dioxide than we emit. And yet, we are the fourth most vulnerable country to the effects of climate change. This injustice must be corrected. And those who need to do more must act now. So what exactly does correcting this injustice look like? Here's attorney Tony Lavinia again. What we hope is that there will be a fund that's created or a facility created that will make available to countries that suffer climate change, to communities that suffer climate change, compensation or restitution. People are restored to where they were before the climate event happened so that they can then rebuild better, right? How can they rebuild better if they're not even rebuilt at all or in a bad position? Nobody can build better from a bad position. That draft agreement on loss and damage I mentioned earlier does include a UN funding facility as one of its proposals, but it lacks specifics. For instance, it doesn't specify how much exactly will be paid. And here's the tricky part. Nearly 200 countries must agree on the terms of the draft. It will be hard to predict what the definitive decision will be because it's a negotiation. And in a negotiation, you cannot assume ahead of time that, in fact, the problem will be solved the way you want it to be solved. 
And in the midst of all this negotiation, there was also criticism of the COP27 itself. Some climate activists have called the summit held in an expensive resort town this year elitist, bloated, and ineffectual. Not to mention the big irony over delegates taking private jets to get there. And while some of that criticism does ring true, Tony says there's no other way to solve the existential threat that is climate change. There's no choice. This is the only way we can try to have a global response. And climate change is a global problem. You cannot solve it as an individual country. This is not the fault of individuals. This is not the fault of families. This is the fault of governments and corporations, really. And you can hold them to account only in processes like this. There's no other way you can hold them to account at a global level. But time is running out. The global population just passed 8 billion people, with the last 1 billion added just in the last 11 years. It's a sign of human triumph in science and medicine, but ultimately also means that achieving climate justice or reversing global warming will only get that much harder. And that was today's episode of Teca Teca. Again, I'm Bella Perez-Rubio. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura and edited by Preska Pistrano. If you like this episode, do check out my other story on the world population crossing 8 billion people, published just before this one. At para sa mga mahilig manood sa YouTube, Puma Podcast na rin po kami doon. Just search Puma Podcast and subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.